Welcome to RetroTube, the not-quite-so-weekly podcast in which Adam and his best pal Heather watch some old TV and then act like a pair of know-it-alls, swanning about in their fancy trousers and being all la-di-da. The nerve of it. In this episode, we invoke a satanic panic, grab our 12-sided dice and visit the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride! Break. I don't like this. Whoa! What's happening? Whoa! Where are we? Look out! Fear not, ranger, barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. A mainstay of Saturday morning TV, Dungeons and Dragons was an American cartoon series which ran for 27 episodes from 1983 to 1985 and played in rotation on the BBC until the early 90s. The show actually had little or nothing to do with the role-playing game of the same name and instead hinged upon an enchanted fairground ride. I loved this growing up almost as much as I loved Battle of the Planets. But Heather, had you ever heard of it? And what did you reckon? Well, I had heard of it. I had never seen it because much like shows in the ilk of Grange Hill and Tis was banned in our house. Oh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Um, uh, well, I wasn't allowed to watch it because uh, it was it was very obviously demonic. Um, uh, you know, being being brought up in a pretty staunch Christian household, it was a definite no. Which is a shame because the demons are the bad guys. I, I, I know the demons are the bad guys, but they're still there. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but I think it's probably for the best anyway, because having watched it as a grown-up, I know that child Heather would have been absolutely traumatised by it. <laughs> I would have hated it. It gets quite intense, doesn't it? It gets very intense. And the monsters are very scary. Aren't they? Yes, they are. They, well, they are to me, anyway. I was like, oh, no, I would not have liked this. <laughs> this would not have been a thing I would have watched as a child. Good grief. You need to understand that when I was a child, the cart- the cartoons that I consistently watched were Dog Time and the Three Musker Hounds, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Raggy Dolls, Raggy and dolls, shows of that ilk. Raggy dolls, dolls like you and me. So, you know, if you're on these with your knobbly knees, your fingers are all thumbs. Stand on your two left feet. <laughs> I was traumatised by a dog tanyan, mind you. Well, but that's literature. <laughs> yes, although that was for one particular bit where one of the bad guys cuts the wings off a bat, and I did not like that. No, you didn't like that. That upset me. I remember us having the bat conversation when you were grown up, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> I could put up with any amount of demonic creatures roaring and screeching, but uh, harming innocent animals in the woodland, do not like. Tell us a bit about the the overall premise of the show. Well, there's a bunch of kids. Uh, they're all having a nice day out at the local fairground, as one is wont to do when growing up in middle America. And uh, they see a ride that uh, is a Dungeons and Dragons ride and the, 
very small child. It's the Dungeons and Dragons ride. It says exactly that in that exact tone. <laughs> and they leap on. Everything starts off in a kind of a ghost train sort of fashion. And Give me a break. Yeah, the, the, the posh wimpy kid is a little bit disgruntled at this point. But then everything goes a bit wrong. And the, there's a bright light and the, the cart goes off the tracks. And it all gets a bit wibbly, doesn't it? It all goes a little bit wibbly. And they end up in this, in this other realm where there's a very small man who can't grow hair on top of his head, but can grow it at the sides. <laughs> Many of us know this feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, wow, welcome to welcome to Dungeons & Dragons. I'll be your dungeon master for this evening. <laughs> Why is dungeon master such a funny name? <laughs> anyway, they find out that there's an evil baddie mm-hmm. who has one horn on the side of his head. He's not quite evil enough for two horns. He has quite literally got the horn. <laughs> he quite literally does. Just the one. Just the one, Mrs. Wembley. Um, and, yeah, so basically the, the whole thing is they try and get back home every week and they basically don't. Yes, it's one of those um, long-running shows that... Never really resolves and repeatedly teases you at the end of every episode or a lot of the episodes that, ah, we're finally going to reach the conclusion. Oh, no, we're not. Sorry, bye. Mm. Yeah, it's like the prisoner but a cartoon. Yeah, pretty much. So the question remains, did you, uh, within the bounds of it being a fairly low-budget mid-80s American cartoon series, did you enjoy it? Well, I was not expecting to because Mm. I had in my head... The, the long-lasting memory of Battle of the Planets, which, to be fair, I wasn't 100% keen on. And I was like, oh, I don't think Adam's known for choosing a good cartoon. And, uh, In fairness, so I'd it, only, I've only picked one so far. But yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm a bit, that was all I had to go on. Uh, so uh, there was quite a degree of trepidation. And also there was knowing that I couldn't watch it as a child because it was like naughty mm-hmm. um uh so I, I didn't really know what to expect but i was pleasantly surprised oh excellent i'm very pleased to hear it i i, I liked that all of the characters were very different <laughs> unlike unlike battle of the planets yeah where they're all quite interchangeable um i liked that the evil baddie whose name i have forgotten um venger venger yeah that's a good name, isn't he? I shouldn't forget that. Anyway, he uh, he is of the skeletal ilk of baddies in that he's very, very ineffectual. <laughs> very furious, but ineffectual. So angry. Venger's just a nasty, spiteful, horrible little man who just goes around bullying teenagers. Who does that? To be honest, I would if I was brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> Having now seen Battle of the Planets and... Dungeons and Dragons in relatively quick succession. Mm. Uh, This is definitely the better show, isn't it? Blimey. By a long chalk. Yeah. Definitely. Your your choice in cartoons has really, really gone up a notch. (laughs) Battle of the Planets at the time, I think I liked it because it had the cool spaceship and the the uniforms and the the cool music, although we'll get onto the music. The, The music was certainly... Because I remember you tweeting a while ago that the difference between British cartoons of a certain age and American cartoons of a certain age is that British cartoons had a lovely kind of folky kind of lovely 
twee theme tune, whereas the American cartoons were all rock ballads. Power ballads. Freedom. (laughs) And this was not that. This was very much more of an English type thing. It was a beautiful tune. It's a lovely piece. It it is genuinely uh, one of my favourite TV theme tunes is the uh, not the opening theme, which is just incidental music illustrating what's going on, but the closing theme is an absolutely gorgeous piece of music. say that like it's more like a british piece of music johnny douglas is actually british well then say no more the other tv themes that johnny douglas did aren't in this kind of vein necessarily but he's also known for doing easy listening albums and that kind of thing so he was quite a successful musician outside of tv themes so he wasn't necessarily somebody like a mike post or a um Hoyt Curtin. But yeah, I think it's just a massively superior cartoon to to, uh, Battle of the Planets. I think partly because this is as it was intended, whereas Battle of the Planets, we're watching someone else's interpretation of an anime. So we're not getting it as it was intended. We're getting one a couple of generations down, essentially. But even compared to a lot of the mid-80s action cartoons like Pole Position or Defenders of the Earth or earlier ones like Space Sentinels, it's got a lot more emotional depth. Oh, gosh, yeah. Everybody's, like, constantly losing it and falling in love and stuff goes on, man. Like, you genuinely feel invested about all of these idiots. (laughs) I know. Even Eric. Do you know, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, especially Eric. (laughs) Really? What's not to love about him? (laughs) What a a legend. He He hates everybody. (laughs) He hates everybody. (laughs) He's terrified of everything. And then, in the end, he always does the right thing anyway. He does, because. yeah. He's he's brave when he needs to be. He always hides behind, but I must have been an idiot to do that. But he knows. <laughs> he knows, and his pals know. The bullywugs are coming, you dummies! You gotta listen! Billions of bullywugs, do you hear? Zillions and jillions and dozens of... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Sheila. I'm Terry. And I'm trying to tell you the bullywugs are coming. And that's Eric. We watched a couple of episodes from the second series, or three episodes from the second series, so there's three series in all. And I think... This show is also unusual in that it has character development. So in the first series, I think he's a lot more overtly cowardly. And he does grow, he grows as a character as it goes through. So it's not an automatic reset cartoon in the way that many of them were. And it's not one of those shows like the Hanna-Barbera cartoons or things like Pole Position where all the things bounce off them mm. and they remain completely unaffected by the things happening. And they may react to the drama as it's happening, but by the end of it, they'll be going, ha, 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 it's a cheesy joke. We'll get to it a bit later, but I think they do. It, it, they are emotionally affected by the things that happen, and they are gradually worn down and change as characters. Which is, yeah, for a weekly twenty-minute kids cartoon series, is quite a thing. I think. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I still watch cartoons, quite modern ones, and the, you don't really get that. You certainly don't get that in Phineas and Ferb. Just the six teenagers varying ages and when they appear in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons they are each presented by Dungeon Master who is a uh, basically a 
surrogate Yoda. Yes. He's like a white Yoda. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I like how, for the most part, each of their weapons that they receive reflects their personality. So it's it's all really well thought out. So they're not just given random weapons. It is actually a, a, a part of who they are and it's to do with who they are and it's it's the, the weapon that most fits them as people. So we start off with the least interesting character of all because uh, although this is a good cartoon, it's certainly not perfect and it does fall into a lot of tropes, I think. Mm. And one of the tropes is that the leader of the group has to be A, blonde, and D, no, how many? B, <laughs> extremely <laughs> dull. <a> <laughs> And, and also a little on the smug side. Yes, Hank the Ranger. He's the Fred Jones of the group, although not literally. We'll find out who is literally the Fred Jones of the group. But he's he's the blonde wooden leader. And quite irritating. <laughs> he's supposed to be 15, but he's more 30, really. Yeah, just a bit of a div. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't have any problem with any archers in fiction. You know. <laughs> Merida, Legolas, Robin Hood. How? You name it. Hawkeye. Gee, I was standing around minding my own business and all of a sudden, poof, a star is born. But this fella, pig him out. Hank the Ranger, who's an archer, he's the one character I think, I can't really think of how his weapon ties into his personality, largely because he doesn't have one. <laughs> um, wow. Meow. He has a bow which fires magical arrows, which have which are multi-purpose. They can become ropes, they can be lights, they can be weapons and destroy things. So he's sort of, it's a bit of a Swiss army knife of bows. Swiss army bow. Swiss army bow. He has the obligatory, the obligatory shaggy blonde hair. He's a bit bossy, a bit serious. That's about what you can say about him really, isn't it? I mean, yeah, without swearing. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you, you really didn't take to Hank. I really didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, he's basically the character that's there to shape and propel the story forward. He's the one that, that, that's there to go, hey, guys, come on, let's do this. So the next character is Eric the Cavalier, who's the one that you liked. Legend in his own lunchtime. A legend that will live on long after lots of other living legends have died. <laughs> it's all about kneelings today, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, as every podcast should be, frankly. Eric, the Cavalier, he's a sar- sarcastic, smart aleck, cowardly one. Yes. I like that. Yeah, he's the rich kid. And you, you occasionally get in little hints that he sort of resents his dad's wealth a bit. He He's not really sp- spoilty. He's not sort of like princessy. No. He's quite down to earth. And I think he just, he doesn't like his father's wealth. So at one point in one of the... I can't remember if it was one of the episodes we watched or... Uh, another episode I happened to be watching because I was enjoying it, but he, he described some monster as being bigger than my dad's bank balance. I don't remember that, so it may have been one that you watched ad hoc. His weapon is a shield because he he uses his sarcasm as a shield against the world and he hides his emotions behind his sarcasm and his, his front. There's also something very Captain America about it because this is also now turning into a Marvel podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> I knew it at last. At last. Abort, abort. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you know uh, who played Eric the Cavalier? Did you happen to look it up? I looked it up, but I've forgotten. Oh, he's the most famous uh, of the actors in this, or probably the only famous actor. Uh, and this is relatively speaking. It's Don Most who played Ralph the Mouth in Happy Days. Oh, well, there you go. I don't have to bring my rubber nose. Mine's still swollen. <laughs> I still got it! So then we have uh, Diana the Acrobat. There's something very Wonder Woman about that, which is not remotely Marvel-related. However, it is very DC-related. Yeah, she's quite Um, Wonder Woman, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. I mean, her name's Diana for a start. But also her costume, very much. I wonder if uh, it's deliberate. Quite possibly. Um, But yeah, the the show has avoided the Smurfette syndrome. They have two girls instead of just one. Two girls. Two girls for one token black character. Yeah, I mean, I guess one token black character is better than no black characters at all. It's true, and probably more than more representation than most cartoons would give at that particular time. Certainly of that, yeah, certainly of that era. I mean, they they could have any of the other characters could have been any ethnicity, but we've got one, so that's something. Uh, she's the athlete. I did look this up, and apparently she was an, an Olympic gymnast, which is why she was given the role of acrobat so again that doesn't really reflect her personality so much as her skill set but that's fine Uh, and she yeah they do give her a good personality she tends to do a lot of the witty quips there's a lot of witty quips it tends to be eric and diana who are the ones with the sassy the sassy puns when something happens this doesn't look like a weapon i wonder what they used it for maybe they had a marching band and she seems to be like the, the the second in command as well so if hank isn't around she'll be the sort of default leader if he's not there which is which is really nice considering that you know like she's a woman you know and they never would normally let a lady be in charge no and she's the black woman as well so yes she's, you know being in charge of the white kids so i mean it's it's the mid 80s but even that's a while ago it, it's quite a while ago i mean this cartoon is as old as i am so Wow. No, there's been a lot of changes in that time. Oh, is this like you're 83, aren't you? I, I am 83. In fact, this this is a few few months younger than me because it was it premiered in September 1983 and I, I was born on June 3rd, 1983. Oh, wow. So this is Heather Vintage. Yes, it is. Loads of good stuff happened in 1983. Mm. <laughs> and I was born too. Yeah, uh, the best thing of all. Well, oh, your second, you. your second to Return of the Jedi, which was which was number one at the cinemas on my on like when I was actually born. You lucky dog. So, mum could have gone to the pictures. Mum could have gone to the pictures, but she decided to have me instead. When I say you lucky dog, I actually got to see it, and you didn't because you were busy being born. So there's that. I had other things to do that day. <laughs> yes. Next, we have my guy, Presto the magician, the ginger kid, the nerdy, nervous ginger kid. Oh yes. What a chap. <laughs> what a literal angel. He's the true heart. He's the heart and soul. He and is. And brains. He and is. He's, he's certainly not the magic. <laughs> but he's everything else in that show. Like, it all rests on his very, very tiny, scrawny shoulders. God love that tiny, ginger, nearsighted dweeb. <laughs> he's called Albert. I don't think he's ever referred to as Albert in the show. He's always just referred to as Presto. Was he called Presto before he was in... The Realm of Dungeons and Dragons? Or I wonder if he was like a, an amateur magician before that. He may have been. Let's say yes. Because he seems like the sort of nerdy kid who would be into learning conjuring tricks and that kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that because you know how I feel about a magician. Uh, so his, yes, his weapon, his so-called weapon is a, a magic hat that he can pull things out of, but it's often the wrong thing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see him pull any rabbits. 
to be fair. No, there are episodes where he does pull rabbits out, I think. Three episodes that we watched. Yeah. I feel a little cheated now. There's another 24 episodes in which there can be rabbit-pulling action. (laughs) didn't come out right. You've got to have a hobby. (laughs) Wow, cranky. No, I, I, I also like him because, I mean, aside from being a... A tiny, ginger, wiry bloke. Um, and we all know how much I love those. Uh, he does look quite a bit like um, the bassist out of Morat, Simon Vargas, uh, who is my favourite um, member of the band. So, uh, yeah, oh, wow. nobody will know Nobody will know who they are, but they're a band from Colombia. No. And, uh, they are my favourite band. Nobody outside of you and Mrs Morat. <laughs> Me and Mrs Morat. Their, their mum. And he is an angel. He's not quite as wimpy on a scale of Eric and Villa. But he is still an angel. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's interesting that he's sort of in the middle because he's not—he's not the the little kid. Mm. Uh, he's not like sort of the little cute mascotty kid, but he's also not one of the older kids. He's sort of floating around in the middle there, getting to be neither cute nor a bold leader action character. So yeah, he—he—it's nice that they've sort of got enough space to have a, a bit of an every kid, a, a bit of a, a wimpy nerdy kid who's. A bit nervous and awkward. And then uh, Sheila, the thief. She's the anxious, awkward teenage girl. And so she has the invisibility cloak. I think a bit like um, Violet in The Incredibles, who also has Im- who also has invisibility. And it's sort of like awkward teenage girls wanting to be invisible and not be looked at and go unnoticed and that kind of thing. Also Sue Storm from The Fantastic Four. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. The Invisible oh. Woman. You're bring you're bringing uh, a whole Marvel knowledge base into this that I would wouldn't be bringing. She's probably the closest thing to uh, to having the personality of girl, but I think even even so, in that kind of limited capacity, she still manages to <clears throat> to hold her own own as a character in her own right. I think so. Yeah, she's maybe the least strong character, uh, not in terms of physical strength, but in terms of how well developed or noticeable she is in the group even probably less than hank although she's more interesting than hank but uh, i mean not difficult <laughs> and i think in a group of kids you're always going to get probably one or two who are a bit of a shrinking violet and go a bit unnoticed and she has she has the responsibility of looking after her younger brother bobby the barbarian bobby the barbarian Never has a name been more appropriate. <laughs> now you see, you haven't you haven't met my cat Bobby. No, I haven't yet. But <laughs> but let me tell you, Bobby the Barbarian is a very very <laughs> appropriate name, and this this very small, very angry child <laughs> is very much Bobby. He's ready to fight. He's like Scrappy Doo. Yes, he's the kind of that you you hold him by the collar while he's swinging his fists madly in yes. thin air. Yes, or, or you put your hand on his forehead while he's swinging his fists at you, so he can't get anywhere near you. <laughs> Is it was it Scrappy Doo who used to say, "Let me at him, let me at him, let me at him, him, let me at him"? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you do a better Scrappy than I do. Well, I, I used to believe I was Scrappy Doo for a while when I was little. So <laughs> I used to refer to our Michelle as Uncle Scooby and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a true story. You can ask her; she will confirm. <laughs> I think because I was never a Scooby Doo fan, I never really objected to Scrappy Doo particularly. I know he's he's a really reviled character. I don't understand why he was he was my favourite. I I got really bored 
in the episodes that he wasn't in. I'm like, I'm like that one Scooby Doo fan who's like, oh yeah, Scrappy was my favourite. It's yeah, it's me and me in that group. And I have a um, for somebody who essentially who quite likes '60s bubblegum pop. Uh, here's a controversial statement: I actually like the Scooby Doo theme tune when Scrappy Doo was in it a lot more than I like the Scooby Dooby Doo where Scooby Dooby Doo, which I like. I like that song fine, but the Scra- the Scrappy Doo one's really really nostalgic. Scrappy Doo. Yeah, so Bobby the Barbarian, I think, might be the most interesting of the characters because he's a nine-year-old boy, but he's not the usual sort of rambunctious, impervious, bouncing sort of, yeah, la-la-la sort of kid. He feels very deeply. I feel like he's quite representative of of, um, people with, like myself, with uh, ADHD or autism spectrum disorders. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because we do feel things very, 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 very deeply. And we we don't have kind of full knowledge of anything to work with because we don't know how things are actually meant to be in normal in normal brains. So I, I think that he's probably the, the, the most representative of autism. I mean, as, as autism as I know it from, yeah. from having it as, as me, because obviously... Every autistic person is different. I definitely identified with him feeling things way too deeply for anybody. This very small eight, nine-year-old child falling heavily in love in the first episode he does. that we watched. Like, wow, crikey, these these people, I mean, does do, do they know their children? <laughs> yes. In, in fairness, they've got 20 minutes to, to cover the falling in love arc, so it has, it has to be quite quick. But like they really did, they really they. I mean, he really he really had the feels, and uh, it made me think very much of my mum's one of one of my mum's most oft quoted song titles. It's horrible being in love when you ain't enough, <laughs> uh, which is true. Um, true I, yes, I, I I used to genuinely dread getting to eight and a half because I didn't want to fall in. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got to eight and a half, and because like I fall in love every week, uh, and, and have done regularly since the age of about four. You get the Davy Jones animated stars in your eyes, don't you? I, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it, eight and a half was no different to thirty-eight and a half. Is is what I'm saying to you? <laughs> it's horrible all the time. <laughs> it's horrible. It is horrible all the time, isn't it? <laughs> it's horrible all the ages. Especially when they don't like you back. Oh God! Yeah, that is the worst. Although uh, yes. some, sometimes it's worse than when they do. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, but then, like, also, he was the only one who openly had a bit of a breakdown at not being able to get back home, like in the last one that we watched. Yeah, he's um, really... Um, he's quite high-strung, isn't he? Yeah, he has he has the feels and he has them deep. Mm, he's headstrong, impulsive and emotional, so he has a club. That's his weapon. He's, he's like Bam Bam, essentially. Yeah, so he's a, he's a little rage factory. Yeah, he struggles emotionally. He has lots of anger they worry about his development as a child i mean it gets quite you know for a 20 minute cartoon it gets it touches into issues and bobby's best friend the final one of the, the team is uh, um, obligatory mascot uni the unicorn ah! oh, if you don't love uni right <laughs> you're wrong 
you're just wrong and um, I think you and me need to have a talk. <laughs> no, I love uni. Good. We all love uni. <laughs> it's obligatory in all these things, in, in He-Man, in Battle of the Planets, in Space Sentinels, in Thundercats to have a cute mascot, but this one might be unique in that it's a female mascot. Uni is a she. Yes. Which is interesting, and it, it shouldn't be. That is quite interesting. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it's just the default thing that the little cute weird thing is a he. So I said earlier that although Hank is the Fred Jones from Scooby-Doo of the group, he's not literally the Fred Jones of the group, because Frank Welker, who plays Uni the Unicorn, also plays Fred Jones. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, Frank, what, the great American actor, the great voice actor Frank Welker, um, who has an astounding CV. So as well as playing Uni the Unicorn... And Tiamat, the uh, five-headed, fire-breathing dragon. Actually, Tiamat has multi-purpose heads. They don't just droop. Only one of them breathes fire. They Each each head breathes a different thing. I love that they are colour-coded heads. For the they're good. Yeah, they're like fire extinguishers. It's like the black yes. one has CO2. The red one yes. has foam. Uh, most recently, this year, a few weeks ago, the Tom and Jerry hybrid live-action animated cartoon was released he played tom and jerry what uh he plays megatron in the transformers oh. he's sven in frozen oh sven Azrael in the smurfs i don't know what that means shockwave barricade and Soundwave in transformers again this means nothing Bad to me but it will mean something to someone it means something to me he plays the dragon in the shrek movies oh my goodness he's married to eddie murphy <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that there are people out there who are literally paid to go rar because I think I could do that. I have a whole host of rars in my back. <laughs> you in, certainly in my, do. You know. Although they all do sound quite similar. Rar. 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 He's play, he does a gremlin. He does a mouse in Lion King. Uh, all sorts of stuff. But that's just the film. So on TV, Scooby-Doo, as well as Fred Jones... Frank Welker is, ladies and gentlemen, Scooby-Doo. Oh. So we're, we're in the presence of greatness here. Golly gosh. Um, um, ugh. Wow. Scooby-Actual-Doo. He played Jabberjaw in Jabberjaw, which is... Do you know about Jabberjaw? I think I probably watched it when I was very small. This is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. He's a talking shark who lives in a science fiction futuristic city under the sea nice. with his teenage friends, and he's the drummer in a band. But not only that... Nice. He talks like Curly Howard. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which is just the weirdest premise for a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I was just being, <laughs> so, I was just being curly. Don't mind me. <laughs> so yeah, he. So Frank also does, he's doing his curly impression for Jabberjaw. Wow! Imagine being paid to a go rar and b pretend like you're curly. <laughs> he's the schmoo in the new shmoo, the new schmoo, or I could be back in Lincolnshire oh. and say the new schmoo. Oh, the real Ghostbusters. He is Slimer and race dance. So it's a rare speaking what? a rare speaking part for him. We now return to the real. Winston, do you realize the kind of power he must have been in contact with for a single sheet of exposed paper to do that? He is many people in DuckTales. Oh, which ones, which ones, which ones? Oh, uh, Big Time Beagle, Baggy Beagle. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bubba, Tootsie, Podespell and the Phantom Blot, <laughs> which means absolutely nothing to me. Oh, Vienna. <laughs> 
In the Simpsons, he's even in the Simpsons. He's Santa, Santa's little helper and Snowball too. Wow! And Snorky, and Snorky the dolphin, and the other dolphins. What? He's in Family Guy. Uh, what? Playing Freddie Jones. Uh, he plays Nibbler in Futurama and Seymour. Oh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles he's in as well. Oh, well, there you go. Yokai Counselor number two. But that's a plum roll by anyone's standards. So we watched three episodes from series two. And the first one we watched was The Girl Who Dreamed Tomorrow, which is a Star Trek title, if ever I've heard one. It is, isn't it? I like how the opening titles of this show essentially sum up the whole premise in just a few seconds. It's really efficient. There's no real explanation. You just see it. This is what's happening. Oh, we're in this realm. There's a little guy. This is what the setup is. Here's your weapons. Now go. Run, run. There's a bad guy. The opening titles involve them being attacked by Venger on his flying horse. Uh, and then they are rescued by Tiamat, the enormous five-headed dragon who attacks Venger, and they go off. And Diana says, who was that? And Dungeon Master says, that was Venger, the force of evil. But I would be saying, no, who was that? The big five-headed dragon. What the hell was that thing? But they ignore the five-headed dragon and just concentrate on the wee guy with the horn. He's the force of evil. He is um, He is a bit in the Darth Vader mould, really. A little. I think, overtly, his voice is very Darth Vader. I must have those weapons. They are all that stand between me and complete mastery of the realm. Uh, and also, Darth Vader is called Vader because it's like a shortened version of Invader. And this guy's called Venger because it's like a shortened version of Avenger. So we've got a Darth Vader and we've got a Yoda. But it's fine. It works. I'm not complaining. I think this is one of the more successful post-Star Wars fantasy things because it has humour and humanity and people and emotions in it. So many of these post-Star Wars, early 80s films came out. What they took from Star Wars was, oh, it's sort of science fiction, it's sort of fantasy, it's got a princess in it and it's got magic in it, let's do that. So they have these really wooden characters going, I am Prince Thor of Thrawn and I am here to take the crystal of such and such and just these really dull characters declaiming. Yes. So in this they have remembered that actually what makes this interesting is the fact that there's characters you can identify with and it isn't just... It isn't just... I am the chosen one. I am Prince Conorn of the Cronon dynasty. And all that malarkey. Everybody does seem to be a little bit on the exclamatory side, though. It, yes. Everything does end with an exclamation mark. Everything. <laughs> Even I don't know. I don't know! <laughs> I don't know! Yes, they're in a state of high anxiety, but then I would be. Yes, but that is your default setting. <laughs> well, this is true. But if I was just... If I hadn't even if had... If you were normal. I hadn't even <laughs> had my lunch yet. It's like, well, we'll have lunch in a minute. Let's just go on the Dungeons & Dragons ride first. And then you get zapped into an alternate universe. You have to fight a big dragon and a dude on a horse. You would literally be whinging for the whole time about how you were going to go hyperglycemic. <laughs> I would. And, like, is there not, like, at least a Mars bar or something? I would be eric you would be you would so be eric i mean you say you would want to be presto but you would definitely be eric <laughs> i'm hungry <laughs> i'm bored <laughs> <laughs> yeah that there, there you are <laughs> 
so in this episode, The Girl Who Dreamed Tomorrow, mm. they find a little girl who's also from Earth. She has also come through the uh, magic portal ride in the fairground. So they find a, a car from the ride in the undergrowth and it's... I quite like that, that it's sort of got, got all the you know, the plants growing through it and it looks like it's been there for a while. But it does lead to the question, if these aren't the only six kids this has happened to, how many of them have gone into this universe and died there in these wow, perilous Wow, cranky, adventures? I didn't ask that. What's wrong with you? We do see later in this episode that there are former pupils of Dungeon Master who have died. Presumably none of the kids, but there's these. they find some skeletons of warriors in a maze and dungeon master says these are former pupils of mine young skywalker <laughs> and yeah and they've they've perished on one of the adventures oh dear he is essentially a, a tiny obi-wan kenobi it's as if like yoda and obi-wan kenobi got into like one of those teleporters from the fly together and <laughs> came out the other end as one person <laughs> <laughs> And then they meet a dog and they say, he just wants us to follow him. It's happened so often on TV, particularly American TV. In real life, I have never in my life met a dog that wants me to follow it. No, me neither. I've met, I've met a dog who kind of wants to hunt my leg. I've met lots of dogs who want to follow me. And frankly, no, sir, I don't like it. But I've never had a dog lead me to where its owner's been kidnapped by sexy lizard men. <laughs> They've been, she's been kidnapped by the gorn. Yes, with they have very sexy legs. <laughs> I said that out loud, didn't I? You said that out loud, and you can't edit it out now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's been kidnapped by the by the Gorn and their sexy legs. And um, uh, this this dog very kindly lets the kids know that they need to follow it to to find her. And um, uh, she she cries a lot. She cries a lot. And uh, then just like makes a bit of a beeline for Bobby and it's like, dude, he's eight, leave him alone, weirdo. I think she's supposed to be about eight as well though. I think I think well he's he's nine coming up for ten. I think they're about the same age. Yeah, it's still weird. She's not like she's not fifteen or anything. <laughs> weird and predatory. To, to give that he's impression. Kid. He's a kid, he's got a pet unicorn to think about. Leave her alone. Just to hammer it home a little more that this is post Star Wars, uh, one of the characters, I think it's Eric, says Hey, don't everybody thank me at once Although, actually, uh, Diana mentioned Star Wars later on in one of the episodes. I think in the Day of the Dungeon Master, I think they overtly mentioned Star Wars. So, I guess, props to them for saying it out loud. They're all fans. Mm, The kids in this have seen Star Wars. So, essentially, they get zapped through this portal from a fairground. It's, It's like The Last Starfighter, or even big, the Tom Hanks film. It's this idea of going to a, a, a carnival and finding something magic that takes you on an adventure. Dungeon Master is there waiting for them when they arrive and he keeps turning up and sending them off, off on these adventures. So ostensibly he's the good guy, but is he the good guy or is he messing with them for his own entertainment? I don't know. I, I, I think he's probably messing with them for his own entertainment. You know what weird little old men are like. <laughs> Yeah, the reason I chose this episode was because it, this is quite a trippy one. So essentially Terry, the little girl, uh, and it's never really explained why, but she has premonition dreams. She's got this necklace, hasn't she, that, that makes her have She's got a necklace. It, well, it glows when she has them, yeah, although that's never expe- explained what the necklace is or why it 
gives her dreams or powers her dreams or that kind of thing. But she has premonition dreams. It, yes, it makes the episode quite trippy. Yes, it does. At times you're not quite sure whether something's really happening or whether it's one of her dreams and whether it's going to happen exactly like that. And it messes with your head a little bit. And then they go through this maze, which is quite nice as well. I like the um, spiky maze, the razor sharp rocks. There's a bit where there's a field of flowers. There's quite nice backgrounds and scenery to the whole thing one thing i will say is that a lot of the episodes are more high fantasy than the one we watched the ones we watched i deliberately picked ones that weren't quite so full of orcs and elves and stuff yes there's not quite so much of that happening no uh, yes in some of the other episodes there's there's a lot of a lot of that kind of thing which is less less up my street Mm. yeah and this one gets quite dark doesn't it everything goes kind of red and white and goes all trippy and weird and everyone starts losing it and they start having these breakdowns and then they're looming up and they're laughing faces and they they all start teasing bobby for having a girlfriend and it's like oh this is really weird and horrible and not nice and oh don't don't do that guys don't be weird. It's actually the maze that's the maze causing it. This, this labyrinth they're lost in, and it's it's causing them to. They've all gone crazy, bro. It's causing them to turn on each other. There must have been a battle here, and a long time ago. Yeah, but all these soldiers were in the same army. Looks like they all fought each other. And they all lost too. And and we're lost. And it's her fault. Do you hear me? She she got us in here. She was the one. <laughs> What's the matter, little boy? Don't you like me insulting your goody-goody girlfriend? Girlfriend, girlfriend, Wait, you guys, come on, stop it! Knock it off! Hey, would you not wrinkle the goods? This is this is what killed the mighty armor-clad warriors who they find the corpses of the skeletons of in there. But they they they're so tight-knit as friends. This group now, and that's the other thing I like. Even though there is a little bit of bickering, particularly with Eric, generally you do get the sense that they're good friends. And I think I don't know if they were friends before they got on the ride. It kind of seems like they do because they kind of all got on the ride together and had a chat. They go, "Hey, it's the Dungeons and Dragons ride." Yes, that's exactly what they say in exactly that tone. And the bit, the scene I particularly like, the scene where Terry has a dream of meeting Bobby unexpectedly at school and they have a really emotional embrace. They do. Yes, that would that uh, That's quite an anime emotional. scene. It reminded me of a Miyazaki film or something. And it's weird seeing Bobby in his 80s civvies with his shaggy hair because you're so used to seeing them in their outfits. I'm sorry, right? I didn't, re- didn't recognise you without your hat with the horns on, bro. <laughs> exactly. And I think... So, their kind of fantasy medieval costumes are a little bit timeless, but when you see him in his 80s outfit with his shaggy hair, it's like, oh yeah, this is 1983, all right. It makes more sense that Terry is loath to go back to Earth without Bobby because she knows what the dream is and she doesn't want to miss out on having that. I thought that was quite quite a deep kind of a thing. And then when the dungeon master tells Bobby what happened in the dream he's like Woo-hoo! yes and the dun- dungeon master assures him that this will definitely come true one day <laughs> but it gives us the last episode that we never have because this is one of those shows that stops without you know they never get back to their own spoiler but <laughs> sorry uh, what <laughs> oh, i got all nasty then didn't i <laughs> they never go back 
they're stuck there for all eternity. Within the show, there isn't an episode when they in which they get back to their own world. No. But I think it seems quite certain. I don't think this is Dungeon Master just buttering him up and lying to him to make him feel better. It seems quite certain that this will come true at some stage. So I think we can sort of take it for red that they do get back. I'm sure, I'm sure they would too. There should have been like a series, another series, or or a last episode or something where they where they managed to go home. Or yeah, there actually there was there was a final episode scripted, episode twenty eight, that was never made for some reason. I can't I can't remember exactly why the show was abruptly cancelled one episode short. It was made as a radio, an audio drama, possibly. I think I read. Ooh. I haven't looked into it any more deeply than that because. I forgot. Well, that's fair. So there. Avenger turns into this big, enormous white-haired dragon thing. Mm. And it's really freaking scary. Man alive. It is scary. That was was the point I was like, nah. Nah, five-year-old me. (laughs) There would have been nightmares. There would have been the light left on. (laughs) I was frittin'. I'm 46. I know. I managed to cope with it quite well at 38. But uh, certainly at five, I would not have in any way, shape or form managed to deal with anything of that kind of a nature. I wouldn't have been able to cope with the baddie. I could just about manage to cope with Skeletor when I was little. Because I remember watching (laughs) He-Man when I was little and and I think Skeletor was my favourite character because he was just so silly. (laughs) He's very silly, isn't he? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It took took me many years to realise that they were all basically naked. Um, (laughs) I just thought that they all... They all wore kind of like full body suit. You know, like Batman and Robin all had tights and Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was all like that, but no, it was just all like it was just all their skin on. No wonder Skeletor had blue skin when he's not wearing anything. <laughs> Freezing. So the second episode we watched was Day of the Dungeon Master. Yes. Uh, which starts with Eric being attacked by some creatures he's upset, which is what happened at the beginning of the last episode we watched as well. So it's in... all that happens to Eric. He just he just constantly <laughs> annoys people and they attack him. Yeah. And then he gets quite annoyed that they've attacked him and not that he's upset them. In the first episode we watched, he has accidentally upset some frog turtles. And in this episode, he's accidentally upset some lizard wasps. Because, of course. And is having a similar time of it. So he gripes and grizzles and complains about Dungeon Master always turning up late, never giving them good advice. So Dungeon Master says, fine, you want to, you think it's so easy being Dungeon Master? You be Dungeon Master then, Sunny Jim Boyo. That's exactly what he says and, has, and how he says it. Boy, if I were dungeon master i'd have it made what an interesting proposition and it's true i could use a little rest very well cavalier i accept your offer huh so eric gets made dungeon master yes much to the dismay of the others who are not keen on this idea i don't think he's especially keen on the idea himself the name dungeon master always confused me when i was little because i hadn't heard at this stage i'd never heard of the game dungeons and dragons so this notion of the dungeon master being the person who oversees the adventure and I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, that's all I know. <laughs> I, I was going to elaborate. I was just about to ask, in fact, if you had ever played Dungeons and Dragons and what your... Uh, not in my life. Not in your life. Well, that makes two of us. Quests can go on for like 12, 14 hours. And Apparently so, yeah. that's pretty much all I know about it. I don't think it would be my kind of a thing, mainly because I don't have the uh, attention span. So... 
Th- that's why you listen to this podcast for, for, for those kinds of insights. <laughs> yes, for, for our knowledge. <laughs> As I was saying, the name Dungeon Master always confused me, being unfamiliar with what the Dungeon Master role was, because dungeons are negative things. Like, I, I've been to castles, and the, the dungeons... Oh, I always used to be terrified of the bottle dungeons, the oubliettes. Just dungeons are horrifying things. So why is the good guy called Dungeon Master? I'd never understood that. An idea that really stuck with me. A few of these things, like, I remember quite clearly from the early 80s when I watched them. And one of them was this idea that where, there's a point where Eric gets thirsty, so he decides to make a spring of water appear from the ground and he's going to drink it when actual Dungeon Master appears and says to him, if you bring water here, you may be turning farmland into desert elsewhere. And that idea really stuck stuck with me, that it's not just magicking things out of thin air, that it's actually moving things. He's he's transporting. He's not just magicking water, he's, he's transporting it from elsewhere. If you're as well acquainted with the magic folklore and fairy tales as I am, you will know an in-depth study of Once Upon a Time Ooh. that all magic comes with a price, dearie. Oof. <laughs> it's true all magic does come with a price so if you take if you take it from one place something something's gonna happen somewhere else you can't just go around using magic willy-nilly is the general idea of it that's 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 why you know only goodies really are allowed to use it because baddies only use magic for foul purposes and they don't care about the consequences they do not care about the quinty consequences. no they do not so i like the fact in this that eric is getting gradually smarter throughout he is and it is and it is gradual it's really nicely done he just he starts to say slightly cleverer things and he has slightly better ideas as it goes along he's still like silly old eric and he panics but occasionally he just will come up with an unexpected pearl of wisdom that sounds a bit like dungeon master and then by the end of the episode he's actually talking like dungeon master and it's (laughs) it's really fun i think he's pontificating in the dungeon master fashion he is it's quite adorable. We'll have to leave our weapons here. What about Uni? Oh, oh. Can't I take her with us, Eric? Oh, oh. I am sorry, Bobby. She would not survive in our world. My magic will protect her when we're gone. And it does, it feels, each of these episodes do feel like a proper journey or quest, I think. Particularly this one. Yeah. It does feel like they're moving through a, a space and it does... You know, they think of some quite good ideas. So there's a bit where they float through a flooded dungeon or an underwater canal or something on an upturned ornate table. Either I remember really vividly or is a reference to something else or is a trope, possibly. I don't, don't know. All, all three. Uh, also, uh, I noted that uh, Shadow Demon, who is um, Venger's... He's such a snitch. Oh, Shadow Demon. Oh. He's always lurking. He's a right lurker. He's a right lurker, isn't he? He'd probably be hanging out in his underwear in George Harrison's wardrobe. <laughs> he would. At this moment, he probably is. <laughs> oh, what an image. <laughs> <laughs> but I noted that Shadow Demon uh, reminded me of the Black Rabbit from Watership Down, and then I started to cry. Oh, no. Oh, no. Watership down, down is never everything that you want to remember. It's not something that needs to be evoked, is it? Is it a kind of dream? I wish it was. Uh, <laughs> the first two, the first two films I was ever taken to at the cinema were Watership Down and Bambi, and I had Bloody. to be removed from both. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why did your parents not love you? Or <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the first two films I went to see at the pictures 
were the Aristocats and Oliver and Company. And um, this is that's a bit more like it's it. a bit more like it. I and mean, it's you know it's developed into me having a lifelong love of animals. But like, wow, what is she down on Bambi? I've uh, a lifelong hatred of rabbits and deer. Yeah, understandably. <laughs> and Mike Bat. <laughs> I don't mean that. No, no, <laughs> like he follows us on Twitter. Don't say anything mean about he does. him. It's, Good God! It, no, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have us. <laughs> and not even in the good way. <sighs> no, we we are big fans of the Wombles and Soldier Song by the Hollies. And Simon in the Land of Chalk Drawings. Yep. And the theme from Moonstone. All those things. Dreamstone. Yeah. And the theme tune to Beat the Teacher. So, yes, I think it's it's in this episode. that I think it's Diana who says about Eric, Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's not. Yes! So it's an, a very overt Star Wars reference there, which I like. They are all Star Wars fans. And I think it's nice, actually, because a lot of these things will just try and shun any kind of pop culture reference or any idea that the main characters will have the same sort of pop culture experiences that we've had for some reason. I like to think that because it was brought out in 1983, they would have been to the pictures to see The Return of the Jedi, and then they will have said, you know, they will have gone like kind of mid-morning-ish to the pictures and then said, oh, let's go to a fairground after we've had our lunch. And then hours later, (laughs) they find themselves... In the dungeon, so they're, they're all still feeling a little bit post-Star Warsy. And this episode also has a... Um, I don't know if this happens a, a few times, but certainly this is a memorable one, or this version of it is a memorable instance of they're nearly through the portal back home, but they can't. Yes. Because this is the one where they realise that Uni can't go through it with them and they would have to leave her behind, and they can't bring them, and specifically Bobby can't yes. leave her behind, uh, so they don't go through. Yeah, that was quite emotional as well. But I, I understand it because if, if I if I had adopted a pet and couldn't take it with me to wherever, I also would be like, do you know what? Probably not worth it. Particularly in the middle of peril, like they're in Vader's, Vader's castle. It's I'm going to call him Vader now, even though his name's Venger. Okay. They're in Venger's castle. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we can get home. Screw you, Uni. Uni <laughs> We're off. See ya. Yeah. Bobby would never. But yeah, that one, that that moment was really memorable. That's one that I, I vividly recall from watching it when I was little. There's a line I particularly liked when Eric, who's who's being extremely brave in this episode, he's he's being a brave little soldier. He is, God love him. He faces off to Avenger. Yeah. And at one point he says, "Only one of us will survive this fight, and it's not going to be me." Gosh darn. <sighs> and then at the, at the end of the episode, everything blows up. The whole castle blows up. There's a big explosion. Kaboom. Uh, and another really memorable image. And I actually love this image. It's very surreal. There's just a giant Venger appears in this, like, a huge image of Venger appears and then just fades away. Yeah. As if it's like his spirit. It just looms over them menacingly and then fades away. I liked the ending when Eric gave his Dungeon Master powers back to the regular Dungeon Master. And he said, I mean, don't think this hasn't been fun, because it hasn't. Yes, I wrote that down as well. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, this is the character yeah. for me. <laughs> he's your guy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, he's grumpy and very silly. Ah, yes. So, yes, that was, that was, that was a very good episode. So the third episode we watched was The Dragon's Graveyard. The Dragon's Graveyard. 
graveyard. Yeah, and I think this is probably the most famous Dungeons and Dragons episode. Yes, apparently it was quite controversial. Yes, this is the controversial one. I think largely because they decide they want to kill Venger, which, I don't know, I think after all he's been doing to them, I think that's a fairly reasonable course of action. This dude's clearly no good. We should shank him and shank him good. And uh, everybody else is kind of, oh, well, it seems a little bit extreme, but I can't see any other way of getting home. Mm -hmm, All except for Bobby, who's like, yes, let's kill him. (laughs) Kill him dead. Dead, dead, dead. (laughs) Kill, kill, stop, blood murder spurt. D-E-double-E dead. <laughs> he's, he's like the, um, the the barber from Monty Python. He's exactly like that, except that he would much rather be a lumberjack. <laughs> I thought Hurst played well. <laughs> yeah, so this episode, I strongly feel, should have been the final episode because it has that kind of really weighty, almost sort of funereal feel that everything's just starting to spiral out of control and it, it has a weightiness and a heaviness to it, doesn't it? They all take a particular decision and you know that there's no coming back from that decision no matter what the outcome is because they've decided that they are now the kind of people who would really do anything that it took to get back home yeah so essentially the episode starts with them losing they've got another portal home and they're really going to do it this time but you know they're not because it's the start of the episode and at the last minute avenger appears and destroys it and they're they've just had enough they're all just demoralized and depressed and they're poor little bobby bobby wobby boo has a breakdown. He is at the end of he's at the end of his tether. He weeps. It's very sad. Um, Sheila has to come and give him a cuddle. Tell him it's all going to be okay. Don't worry, Petal. It's so bad that they finally lose patience with Dungeon Master's smugness. Yeah. And they have a bit of a go at him, and Dungeon Master actually looks quite hurt, doesn't he? he it's not like oh, you know, a little bit, you kids, but actually he. No, you got me. He looks quite shocked. I am sorry that your quest for a way home met with failure. Perhaps you will have better luck in the future. But now, there is great danger ahead. The Duke of Darkness has taken over the land of... Wait, Dungeon Master. We only want to hear two things. How do we find Tiamat, and how do we use her to beat Venger once and for all? Listen to me, Ranger. Do not let your anger control you. The course you are taking can only lead to ruin. So then, it has come to this. Tiamat lives where the dragons go to die. The place that is the source of your weapons. The dragon's graveyard. As for how to use her to overcome Venger... No riddles. Tell us straight. Ask her. Yeah. Like, what what, what do you mean? What, 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 What do you mean? all my fault i mean i just brought you here i thought we were friends he has that kind of expression you mean you don't like fighting the bad guy every week (laughs) and potentially being killed kids these days (laughs) but it goes from bad to worse in this episode because they're attacked by venger again and uni gets hurt i know she does uni gets hurt and it's not just uni gets hurt uni gets hurt pretty bad she gets hurt pretty bad she may not make it no there there is a suggestion that yeah and i think this is sort of also is what is starting to give it that final episode feel it's like oh is Mm. uni actually going to this is starting to this is feeling different from the other episodes it's this this is getting serious is she actually going to are they going to go there are they going to kill uni I like that Venger is played totally straight. Mm. 
Like, he does seem actually demonic. He's not... Even uh, Zoltar from Battle of the Planets is quite camp. Quite! <laughs> yeah, Avenger is... Avenger is to be taken seriously. Even with his one horn, he's not a symmetrical-looking baddie by any stretch of the imagination. He's not like, say, for example, the Master in Doctor Who, for example. Or even like Servalan and Travis, where you think... Actually, they're quite lovable deep down. Yes, there's, there's nothing lovable about him. He is, however, ineffectual on a level equal to Skeletor. <laughs> Skeletor is lovable. Skeletor is lovable. Whereas Venger is actually evil, I think Tiamat is just very, very grumpy. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with a very grumpy dragon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tiamat's also she as well, which I like. Yes, there are definitely a lot more female characters in this than there would be in pretty much any show of the time. Especially consider- considering Tiamat is sort of... I mean, Venger is the... He's the baddie, but because he's even scared of Tiamat, she's the big baddie. Yes, yes, he's well for it. I like the Dragon's Graveyard. I like the lighting is normal as if it's daytime, but it's got a starry sky. That's quite dreamlike. There are alternate weapons that are not ones used by our heroes, which is always a thing that I like. I think I've talked about it before, but I like always the suggestion of alternate possibilities for the adventures or alternate adventures that are not explored so uh here are other weapons that they didn't get so we see uh, there's a horn a sword a trident and a net are the main ones that i remember there being the thing i remember most is that their own weapons that they already have have greater power in the dragon's graveyard so presto opens his hat and crazy things happen there's just a big burst of energy and he's like ah! Hank is knocked clean off his feet from the kick from the uh, bow. There's a, a distant roar and Eric says, I didn't hear that. And then there's another even closer roar and he says, I didn't hear that either. <laughs> oh, Eric. A line in this that I really, really remember from watching it originally was Hank saying, Bobby, I'm worried about you. No kid your age should hate anybody this much. Yes, yes, because Bobby really loses it and he's like, huh, I cannot wait till that bad guy is not any is not here anymore. He is he's gonna rue the day he ever messed with us, by golly. Even as a ten year old, watching that I kinda of thought, Oh, that's a bit different. That's not like other car- other cartoons wouldn't think of saying that or that wouldn't be a consideration. Yeah, it, it, no, 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 it did it it struck me as well. Um Especially because they were all, there's only sort of like six or seven years between each of the characters. So they're all kind of, they're not all obviously the same age mentally or physically, but they are still all under the bracket of kid. Yeah, it's, they, they range from nine through to 15. I mean, one kid saying to another kid, listen up kid, we're too young to have feelings this deep. Yeah. Yeah, is uh, is definitely something that you I, I've not heard in any other cartoon I've, I've seen, and I've seen an awful lot of Retribution-type episodes of stuff, and that that isn't a, a sentiment that I've ever heard expressed before. That stuck with me all these years. I think, again, it, it points towards Bobby being somewhere on the autism spectrum because of how, deeply his, how deep his feelings run. And it's not potentially something that he doesn't have any control over. I mean, it, he, may, he may not have... The fact is, he probably wasn't written as being anywhere on yeah. the autism spectrum. But as an autistic person watching it, it's like, yep, I can identify with that. Yeah, 100%. that makes sense. 
my my feeling of it was just that he's just so young and he's in this combat situation and, and not many cartoons would think actually if a young boy went through this every week they'd probably start to be a bit damaged by it it would not be okay yeah. Whereas, yeah, other cartoons, it's like, yay, we, we, you know, it's scary at the time, but yay, we saved the day. Yeah, we beat the bad guy, and it's all fine. Everything's Reset. good. Exactly. Yeah, but actually, for a real nine-year-old, it would start to, I think, yeah, very quickly erode their childhood. Well, yeah, it would. And they they start to feel filled with rage and all these unhealthy emotions, especially when he's beloved pet unicorn has had her life put in danger by said baddie i think that will probably have tipped him over the edge he is like the worst school bully who just no matter where you go what you do they just won't leave you alone i know i mean like it's like oh you again for goodness sake pick on somebody else just yeah just get a hobby mate what's wrong with you but for a Saturday morning cartoon to make a 10-year-old me mm. actually think about these things rather than just be like, ooh, pew, 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 pew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is... <laughs> the Leslie monologue. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Leslie family motto. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I love the idea that that's Leslie family motto. <laughs> It's essentially all Battle of the Planets was, was really pew, pew, pew. There was a lot of pew, pew, pew. As I said before, I feel very strongly this should be the final episode because they do defeat Venger, mainly through the power of Bobby's absolute rage. He uses his... He does a lot of smashing his club into the ground and causing cracks, but in this occasion he causes just the ground to completely crumble away into a fiery abyss so that Venger is left teetering on a an outcrop and Hank is lining his bow up to finish Venger off once and for all, to execute him, essentially. So it reached, yeah, a children's a children's Saturday morning cartoon climaxes with uh, one of the main characters preparing to execute the villain. Why did you not finish me? If I did, we'd be no better than you are. We've beaten you, and you know it. Do you understand, Venger? I didn't do it for you. I did it for us. The trouble with, with this not being the final episode is that next week Venger will come back, not defeated. Mm. We do get a bit of a bombshell revelation at the end of the episode, though, when we find out that Venger is the Dungeon Master's son. He does seem to be, yeah. He calls him my son. I was sort of wondering whether that was figurative or literal. No, 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 because I did do a little bit of reading on this. Um, in the final episode that was never aired because the show was cancelled, it is revealed that Venger is the Dungeon Master's son, actually. And uh, he has a bit of a redemption arc in the last episode. And they do get the opportunity to go back home. But there's a bit of a... It's left with a bit of a quandary of whether they're going to go home or whether they're going to stay and help fight against the other foes in Dungeons and Dragons land. Because they're kind of into it now. It's like Corporal Klinger. Yeah, a lot of that. So that was the three Dungeons and Dragons episodes. I think we can safely say you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't. Ex- I genuinely did not expect it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be such a trial, but it wasn't. It was. Uh, it was a lot better than Battle of the Planets. It was. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. There were very distinct, different characters, so you could root for them and care about them, which was nice. I mean, the animation was very of its time. 
A little bit cheap. A little bit on the cheap side. If I was not a big wimpy child in the 80s and 90s, I would have enjoyed it. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear it. It's a big relief because if one or the other of us hates the show, then it can be a little bit of a struggle. So I'm very relieved yes. that you enjoyed it. I think we've established who your favourite character is, but we'll ask, who was your favourite character and who was your least favourite character? <laughs> well, my favourite character, I think probably, probably Eric is my favourite character. Mm. Because of the grumpiness and the wimpiness and the bad jokes. Um, but I, I did also have quite a lot of love in my heart for uh, Presto and Bobby. Yeah. Because Bobby was very much like my cat. And Presto was a magician. So, you know, you know how I feel about a magician. My least favourite character had to be Hank. Yeah. Because just so freaking smug, like, God! <laughs> Jeez, I have no- I have not disliked an animated character <laughs> oh dear, so much Hank. since Alan Tracy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. Crikey. It's that level. It's that <laughs> level. And I once wrote a death fic about Alan Tracy. So, uh... <laughs> Crumbs. In which I killed him three times. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. No, Remarkable. he is... <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, so yeah, no, he oh. was uh, no. The leader of a gang character is always going to be my worst. I think. I think this this explains my dislike for lead singers and lead guitarists. I think it would have been so much stronger, and people, you know, writers, re- very rarely think of doing this. Is if you have a bland main character, get rid of the bland main character and give one of the other characters all their actions. Exactly. I think they could have bumped Hank and made Diana the leader. A, you'd have got rid of Hank, and B, you'd have had the black girl as the leader. Yeah. Which would have been amazing. That makes way more sense and would have worked a lot better. And also, wow. And her jokes are funnier. What were your favourite and least favourite aspects or moments in the show? I didn't like it when I thought Uni was going to die. Oh. I didn't like that. Did you think she actually might? Yeah, I did. Oh, really? Didn't like oh. it. Didn't like it. I, I got I got really emotional. I liked pretty much any time Eric, Eric made a really bad joke, <laughs> which was frequently. You should have boned up on your self-defence. Uh, why is that an American term? <laughs> why is up boned up? <laughs> Don't. I'm not being funny, guys. Don't don't bone up anywhere near me, thank you. <laughs> no, please don't bone up anywhere near Heather. She won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. Have a sign above your letterbox. <laughs> no free papers, no boning up. <laughs> no boning up in this general vicinity, please and thank. <laughs> uh, and would you watch it again? I, do you know what? I probably would. Excellent. I, I've even watched some. It's it's a children's cartoon. It's a cartoon for children, Mandrake, but I've watched more because it com- comes up on my YouTube suggestions now. Well, I think that's Dungeons & Dragons all wrapped up. Absolutely. Thank you very much for making me watch it and thank you for chatting with me for the last 500 years about it. <laughs> thank you. For, uh, yeah, thank you for watching it. Very welcome. It was a pleasure. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It has been, as always, a joy. We really hope that you enjoyed it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you're more than welcome to. Um, you can contact us on Twitter. 
Our Twitter handle is at retro underscore tube. You could also email us if you would rather not interact over Twitter, because it is a silly place. Um, <laughs> our email address is uh, retrotubepodcast at gmail.com. Again, always, always happy to hear from you, and we do, we do reply to every single message that we get. Uh, we will be back next time when it is my turn to choose a show to watch from off of back in the day. I'm going to give you a clue, and honestly, because the show is so obscure, if you get it from this hint, then please let me know because I will probably. I will probably love you forever. There'll be a marriage proposal coming in the post from Heather. Absolutely. Every time we've walked on peas, we've always slipped and fallen over. That's right. Mm. That's it. That's it. So that's it. The the end from me. And uh, have you got the last word for us, Adam? Give me a break.